Barbecue Central Show, let's go. The number one barbecue show on the low. Your host, Greg Rampy, the grilling master, spreading the info, getting to you faster, asking tough questions and having a blast. The Barbecue Central Show is here at last. The best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Come on, let's go. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, John Solberg. Today, we're going to take a trip back to January 21st of 2014. Robin Lindar from Grill Girl was in, throwing around some great ideas for recipes for Super Bowl. That conversation took a little deviation as Greg and Robin had a playful conversation on whether or not Bobby Flay was an influential person in the world of barbecue. We're going to hear that in just a minute, but first let's check in with Dave Bosca, his thoughts on horse meat as I continue to search for the genesis of the horse meat conversation. Uh, my friend David Bosca, Butcher Barbecue. Dave, Happy New Year, buddy. How are you? Hey, thanks, Greg. Glad to be back. I'm always happy to have you. Appreciate you making the time, Dave. You know, a few different things I want to chat with you about tonight. So let's start with the topic I have been desperately trying to work in with you these past few times, but uh, for whatever reason, time-wise, just hasn't been able to work out. But a topic perhaps no one even wants to consider or hear about, but I think it's high time we open up some dialogue here on this show, namely horse meat. And I'm sure just the mere mention of it sounds wrong to the vast majority of us in a general sense. And uh, as someone who is, you know, like yourself, in the meat business, how does the term horse meat strike you right off the cuff? Well, it doesn't matter to me one way or the other. Um, Horse meat to me is no different than any other meat. Um, Lamb, goat, uh, rabbit, beef, veal, um, I... Horse meat, horse meat. Uh, have you uh, partaken in a horse meat consumption? No, I've never ate any. Can't say I have. Um, at one of the annual meetings we had with the Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma and Texas Meat Processors Association, I sat on the board for that. We had a meeting where we met with a guy out of Russia that they were large in making sausages with it. I, I learned a lot about how the attributes of it and some good things you can do with it, but I can't say I've ever ever had the delicacy of it. Dave, do you think that there is, and we're talking in a general public way at this point, obviously, but do you think that there is an aversion or a um, a step back when you mention horse uh, because it's it seems to be more of a domesticated animal like a dog or a cat versus something more traditional, like, as you mentioned, a cow or a pig or a chicken or a goat? Well, it's only that way here in the United States. Uh, my wife and I was actually talking about it a little earlier, and she had a good point. She said, you know, you can talk to any ag student out there right now that shows beef or shows anything like that, and they know that the goal of them, uh, it's, their beef is going to get slaughtered. But as they raise them, um, they pamper them, they take care of them. It's a two- and three-time-a-day uh, nurturing of these show animals. 
and they become pets to them too. No, they don't want to slaughter them. They don't want to take them to the market, for lack of better words. But that's the goal. That's that's what they're doing it for. That that breed is raised for that purpose. And if we had horses the same way, that would be instilled in us. Um, now, my wife and I, we raise miniature horses, so we have horses. We've got, oh, 11, 12 horses here on the place. And as a horse grower, a raiser, breeder, my wife shows them. Um, I'm going to tell you, she's been, the last couple of years, she's been the president of their local association. And, and having an outlet as a horse kill was a good thing for the horse growers associations that gave them an outlet. A lot of people wouldn't think of us as being that way, but the reason so is if you have a horse that is bad, if it's not in confirmation, right, or it has uh, a disease, you have nothing to do with it other than shooting it yourself and taking it to a ditch. Uh, you, you need to have an outlet for everything. Um, we have outlets for, dogs we have outlets for um the beef the goats we don't have anything for horses so what happens is they raise up there's the diseases continue to grow in the bloodlines uh the bad or or you for lack of better words you put them out to pasture and eventually you'll sell them as a pet but someone always wants to breed that animal even if it's a 20-year-old mare or something like that, they always end up getting bred. So it continues and it passes on. So having an outlet like a, a, a slaughtering ability would help with that. I'm uh, just showing a uh, two cuts of horse meat. Believe it or not, I when the uh, newsletter went out earlier today. Uh, there's a guy over in England who said, hey, oddly enough, we just did a, a demo with horse meat. And he sent me a picture of what it looked like uncooked, and then he also uh, sent me a picture of uh, what it looked like after the fact. And I mean, it, you know, I mean, it does look a little different to the eye than what most people are used to seeing when it comes to uh, traditional beef. Uh, but the uh, the end product looked, you know, fairly desirable. Uh, this particular guy said it actually had a little bit of a gamey taste, and. Uh, Again, he would prefer a, a steak over a, a horse meat sirloin or a cow sirloin or whatever over a, a horse meat sirloin. But uh, by and large, as you kind of pointed out there up at the top, Dave, uh, we're probably the only country that thinks like this. And evidently in Italy, uh, this is something that you could possibly find on any restaurant menu. They cook with it uh, quite often if you're making meatball or, or some other type of where you just need meat. A horse is something that you're going to find in there. So the long-winded question is this. Uh, do you think that uh, there would be a viable market for horse meat here in this country? Okay. Back a year or so ago, the government passed the USDA or allowed the USDA to start inspecting again. Um, in 2007, the USDA, the funding was pulled out from underneath the USDA to inspect meat plants. Um, the last one closed about a year later. They would have to pay for all of that themselves. Um, last year, they passed the ruling to where they were going to allow inspections for meat slaughter. Right now, there is only three plants that has applied for meat inspections, New Mexico, I believe one in Missouri, and one in Iowa. 
Um, and what they ended up doing was they had applied, they were given the, the license to do it, but no inspection had actually started. These plants were, the owners of these plants was watching the United States. The only outlet we had for these horses was we sent them to Mexico or Canada. It's legal to process them there. Um, they were seeing these thousands of animals to go there. They just wanted their part of the pie. That's what it boils down to. Give me the cut of that. Let's keep the jobs here. Let's keep everything moving this direction. The consumption of meat, of horse meat in the U.S. wasn't legal. The processing was for shipment to these other countries. That's what it was. That being said, last week, um, President Obama signed an emergency bill that pulled the funding back out of, for the USDA and they can no longer inspect for it. If a plant wishes to proceed, they have to relinquish any rights for any inspection and pay for it themselves, which no meat plant can actually pay for it no. for themselves um, because of the total cost. Uh, so there again, as of last week, it's been put back on hold again. Speculation, Dave. I mean, is it just going back to the fact that uh, nobody wants to say that they're going to be, uh, you know, the first people to eat horse meat in this country? I mean, what? Do, I just don't understand what the aversion is going to be other than the fact that it's just, you know, something you grew up watching on television, a talking horse, or, uh, you know, you ride one for fun or for competition. Uh, it just seems to be a little counterproductive here when you have, uh, as you had mentioned, a fairly good outlet uh, for especially the ones that are uh, down the line or uh, diseased or whatever. Uh, I mean, why not put them to use? Well, that's me and my wife. That's our thought. There's a lot of those things like us, and there's a lot more that don't. Um, they're pets. They're not. They're not for that. They're, there's there's a lot of pros and cons. Um, but as a grower, as a breeder in that world, you have to be able to stop the bloodline somehow, and that's just an outlet. Um, there's many. I guess other things you could do with them, but not that we know of that we can think of. Dave Voska joining me here on the show, by the way. ButcherBBQ.com is his website uh, if you want to uh, check out the rub sauces and injections that he's very famous for. Do you think if we were able to uh, introduce the eating of, of horse meat that it would, con it would kind of uh, knock back the amount of uh, traditional red meat that we as a nation consume? No, no, I think that would still be classified uh, technically under red meat um, due oh. to the protein breakups of it. But um, would it cut down on beef production? Yeah, beef? Um, well, I don't know that answer. I wish I did, but then I know where to buy my stock at. But no, I don't know that answer. <laughs> Best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Come on, let's go. Uh, okay. Some some Super Bowl recipes you're going to be served. You know what I love about Super Bowl is like, yeah, football's great. The commercials are awesome. But I really just like having a day dedicated to like pigging out on finger food. Like I just love finger food. Like I could just consume my weight's worth in calories just in like dips, you know. Um, so I did a top five list on my site. And first and foremost, let's start with jalapeno poppers. This is like my, my ultimate favorite thing to make. Um, and I, I've got two versions here. I've got kind of the push the easy button version, 
which is a um, prosciutto Havarti jalapeno popper. So essentially you wrap um, Havarti or whatever cheese you want to use with prosciutto, stuff it in the jalapeno and grill it, which is excellent. And then I also have the more traditional like jalapeno popper that's stuffed with cream cheese and wrapped in bacon. And this mm. one's more work because you have to kind of, you know, wrap the bacon around the the jalapeno and then suspend it in the oven, you know, so the jalapeno, the cream cheese doesn't fall out. And I actually even grilled this one because it's just harder to do on, uh, I mean, excuse me, I do the, the second one in the oven because usually the bacon um, just makes the grill more likely to flare up. So, mm-hmm. but those are my two top um, jalapeno popper recipes. Uh, wings are a must have at, at a Super Bowl party. And I'm actually like, completely obsessed with chicken wings. That's like my comfort food. One of, you know, some people might crave, you know, a cheeseburger or whatever, and I'm always craving wings and beer. Um, so actually last year, right before Super Bowl, I came up with this recipe and it was a really big hit. Um, and what's cool about it is you have this dipping sauce on the side. That's really great to make, um, for dipping, but also for leftovers. So it's, um, I call them West Indies wings because it's based on a habanero hot sauce base, you know, like a Barbados style, which is, habanero, which is super hot, but you pair this with, um, coconut milk, ginger and curry. And, um, it just makes for a really kick-ass wing. Um, you just have to try it. And if you, you know, for those of you that can't really handle a lot of heat, you can always decrease the amount of, um, hot pepper. And so, and then there's kind of my, my ultimate kind of what I'm known for, um, um, on my blog with my friends, which is, uh, smoked fish dip. And I just did a revision of this recipe because, um, traditionally in South Florida, it used to be made with smoked Marlin, which is extremely hard to find. Um, and so anyway, smoked tuna or whatever smoked kind of fish you want to make, but you pair it with cream cheese, mayo, um, jalapenos again, old bay and lime juice and lime zest. And it's to die for. And then also, um, this is a new recipe that's been pretty popular Bacon, uh, bacon, jalapeno, deviled eggs. Now that I'm reading these wow. out, you can tell I really like heat, right? Um, <laughs> like jalapeno, jalapeno. So this is bacon with jalapeno on top of a green, uh, on top of a deviled egg. So wow. this is this is truly tasty. And my husband ha- is super weird about eggs, and he ate these like crazy. So mm-hmm. I, and I think that's kind of like my my temperature test. If he eats something and he says he doesn't like it, and he goes back for seconds, then it's pretty good. What's uh, what's the aversion to to eggs? It's it's like this weird thing he grew up with. Like he had like a weird thing with eggs. And so we've been working on that since we've been together. Huh. It sounds like <laughs> it's coming along. All right. With the addition of uh, bacon and jalapeno. Oh, I mean, you can't go wrong when you put bacon on anything. Right. Uh, right. Um, and then the last one is a dip and or a salsa. And what's great about this is it's really versatile to reuse for leftovers. So it's a, um, it's a grilled pineapple, black bean, um, red onion, cilantro, coconut, dip and salsa, I should say. And, um, you know, it's pretty healthy, you know, cause it's black beans, you get fiber. Grilled pineapple is awesome. Cause you know, when you throw it on the grill, it, it gets even sweeter. Um, you know, and you, if you compare this with like, you know, your baked corn chips, it's pretty healthy. So, so a lot of this stuff you don't have to feel too guilty about, but I mean, this is kind of the, the American holiday of picking out on finger food. So, uh, so a big topic on the show the past few weeks, has been the uh, Pork Barrel Barbecue 2013 Top 25 Most Influential People, according to how Brent and uh, Heath saw it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had forwarded that to you, and you uh, <laughs> had some thoughts about 
certain things, and I uh, just wanted to see, you know, maybe who you thought should or should not have been on that list. Well, you know who I thought was missing was Dr. Barbecue. Where was he? Agreed. I don't know. Get that big stuff out of here. He went up a chicken's ass to get a hot egg sandwich, I think. <laughs> but I, I feel like he truly should be on this of list. Course. And I think there's some great people on this list that definitely deserve to be on here. And I, and I think the larger question here, Greg, is, yep. at least to me, yeah. it's they're talking about influential people in barbecue and then you see Bobby Flay number two and I know that you and I don't just dis- or don't agree on this but I do not think he needs to be on this list you're wrong you're absolutely 100% wrong and here's why I okay. don't think anybody for the last even five years has done anything more influential or and we're talking about the masses here influence means over a large group of people and certainly Dr. Barbecue is influential and, you know, a lot of these people on this list. But if we're talking about grand scale, mass reach, nobody in grilling or barbecue has done it any better or bigger than Bobby Flay to include cookbooks, to include cooking products, to include TV shows. Uh, I think he has really given the industry a jump start, and he should be, I wouldn't have had a problem had he been number one even for the last four years. How about that? All right. But let's let's just talk about the term barbecue. I don't think he falls into this term. I think he's one uh, of those Food Network you guys that brought a lot of attention to grilling and cooking Robin. over live fire. I'll give you that. But I don't think he belongs in this list with these people. First of all, I think barbecue is about community, and I think Bobby Flay is all about himself. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons he should not be Look, on this list. Robin, you don't know you don't know Bobby Flay. You're, how would you even say that he's out for himself? What does that even mean? You don't know well, him. I have met him. Actually, I wanted to show you so you didn't think I was just poo-pooing him. I met him uh, about four or five years ago. I had just started Grill Girl. Um, I stood in line a long time to have my book signed by him. And um, I have to tell you, I wasn't that impressed. He was kind of an ass. But I'm not saying these things about him not being on this list because he was an asshole. I'm saying that because I think he just doesn't fit in on this list. I think he's done a lot for bringing visibility to grilling, but do I think he should be on a list about barbecue influential, influential people? Definitely not. Now, you would, of course, know, I'm, and I'm going to stop the clock on this. We're going to have this out. Uh, you would, of course, know that if you are friends with Meathead, that uh, grilling falls directly underneath, or it's an all-encompassing term. Barbecue is grilling, or grilling falls under the term. So uh, he does uh, fit into this uh, particular community. Uh, Also, are you mad because he was also signing maybe 300 other books before he got to yours, and perhaps he's a little tired and you thought he was just being an asshole, as you put it? I mean, come on, be honest. No, honestly, I just don't think he should be on this list. I think he's influential in, in a food network kind of way, but I don't think he's influential in the greater barbecue community kind of way. And, and to me, and, and my focus is more on grilling than it is barbecue. Don't get me wrong. But to me, I see the barbecue community as an embracing community where we all help each other out. And I don't see him being part of that community. Who would, who would you rather see be replaced Bobby Flay at number two? At number two, I would say John Marcus should be there because he's brought people truly into understanding the sport of competition barbecue and the people that are really, you know, the real people that are doing this stuff every weekend. Many of which who are your average backyard barbecuers that decide to take it to the next level. 
Do you think the uh, groups of people that Pork Barrel put in, like judges and competitor and backyarder, you think that's kind of a cop-out, that's kind of weak sauce, right? Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I was kind of questioning why they put those in. And I think, I think they have their place, you know, but they may not have thought about it all at once. They may, cause you know, the, the way I was looking at it is they, they wrote like a blog post every day for this list, which is really a smart thing to do for yeah. someone trying to attract traffic to their website, especially for those guys. They sell sauce on their website. Um, so, I mean, the fact that they were a lot, you know, kind of like the, the, you know, the 30 days of Christmas, yeah. it's like every day we're going to uh, introduce a new person. I think, um, you know, it kind of isn't following the right formatting, but it makes sense. I mean, the, the, the pit masters and the judges are a huge component of all of that. And it, it makes sense to name the unnamed people. And there it is from January 21st, 2014. What do you think? Is Bobby Flay influential in the world of barbecue? What's your thoughts on horse meat? Hey, there's a lot more of both of these interviews and more to this show. Head on over to thebbqcentralshow.com. Click on the archive button. Uh, search Dave Bosca. Search Robin Lindars. Search anything you want to search to find out if there's an episode on it. It'll get you right there real fast. While you're there, hit the subscribe button. Subscribe to the Barbecue Central Show via podcast. Never miss an episode of that or this show again. Until next time, on the best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less, I'm your host, John Solberg, and I will talk to you soon. The best moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 minutes or less. Come on, let's go.